podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Episode 61.5 of uh, Below the Belt Podcast in association with Boxing Monthly. We get to go to some nice places, you know, uh, with uh, Below the Belt. And uh, today we're at Peacock Gym. Uh, And I'm joined by Paul Zanon of Boxing Monthly. Hello, sir. Hey, how you doing, Cal? And I'm here with Zen of British Vintage Boxing. Hello, Cal. Nice to meet you. Is there something about this place? You know, I've never been here before. And I got lost. I have this really terrible habit of coming out the wrong entrance of a train station. I do it all the time. And I did it today. I came out the wrong side. I was by the river and I was like, fuck, where am I? I'm lost. And I had to go back through the train station, come out the other side, and I found my way here. And they're kind of gentrifying this area a little bit. But this spot itself still has that charm about it it's got the scrapyards next door you come in here it's got the loud rap music there's pictures everywhere you walk in and there's Jimmy Tibbs holding court and it's like oh my god I've walked into like one of the places in British boxing to be so um, we're here today for um, a book signing for Paul for Paul's new book uh, the ghost of uh, ghost of Johnny Tapia uh, that you wrote wrote with his with his wife um, what made you want to, because he's had a book before, Mi Vida Loca, what made you want to dig even deeper into the Johnny Tapia story? I, um, I interviewed Teresa for Boxer Monthly magazine back in about October 2017 and um, spoke to her for about 45 minutes and it turned into a six page feature um, for, for the magazine and as you well know yourself, the, you very rarely get more than a three or four pager in there. So. Um, Obviously, Graham Houston uh, uh, must have appreciated it. I certainly appreciate the game in the space. But it made me think when I was doing the interview with her, I've seen a different side to Johnny Tapia here. Uh, there's new information that was previously unearthed. Because his book was written in his voice, which, you know, since the whole point about an autobiography, which does mean that I kind of negated the possibility of him being able to tell stories about when, for example, if he'd have been in hospital, um, completely out on drugs or that dose of episodes. Whereas Teresa was pretty much glued to Johnny all the time. And um, so I thought, if I could get that detail in 45 minutes, I wonder what sort of detail I could get if I spoke to her a bit longer, yeah. you know, i.e. quite a few hours and days. So I um, kind of thought about the idea of a book and spoke to the guys in Boston, Hamilcar, great publishing company, probably the only publishing company that I know which is purely boxing. So if you're dealing with people who are purely about a passion like that, kind of like Zen with British Vintage Boxing, yeah. a, a niche that tight and all your passion and energy is in there, you're going to be successful. So anyway, I had a, a chat with Kyle and he said, we've got this noir series. He said, you know, it's going to have to be sort of a fairly dark sort of piece. And I thought, there's enough darkness in Johnny, definitely there. And uh, so chatting with Teresa explained the other concept that we'd have to run with. And uh, she said, yeah, cool. So we got chatting, got on like a house on fire for all the months we did it together. And um, I guess where it differs from Mi Vida Loca, the autobiography, is that Johnny died in, you know, 2012. Mm. Mm. When the book came out, I think he died during that time. So... Well, um, he died writing the book. Uh, I, I think when the book... 
came out, right. that's when he that's when he died. Oh, so right. yeah. Oh, okay. So, that, so that was kind of um, very fate, fatal, fate, not fatalistic timing for him, but. Yeah, a word on it. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things, you know. He, I think Johnny's one of those guys that he uh, he kind of one month he was going to be alive, one month he wasn't, mm. and um, and that was it. But talking about that particular episode, I I asked Teresa to take me through the actual day that Johnny Tapia died, and that was quite an emotional episode, and that's detail that not many people have ever heard before. Um, but I also got to speak to the likes of Eddie Mustafa Mohammed, who. Was in the corner with Jimmy, uh, Jimmy with Johnny when uh, when he came over to, to London, and uh, I mean what Easy a fight that was. To make, mate. Jimmy's just over. Yeah, there. we got Jimmy, and they both <laughs> got the same initials, JT. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he came over here, and um, I spoke to a few people about that. I spoke with Richard Maynard, who you know was uh, Frank Warren's uh, PR man at the time. I spoke with Frank Warren about it, but unfortunately, after the book had sort of gone to print, and. Um, Everyone said they'd never seen so many people queuing up around the York Hall ever. A queue went right the way around the block, and as you know, it's a big old block. So, um, so yeah. In, in terms of uh, in terms of Johnny himself, the person, the detail, the anecdotes, there was a lot in there. As it goes, for the size of the book, which is about seventeen and a half to twenty thousand words, um, could have written a lot more in there. And you never know; there might be sort of other wants to come in the future with other dialogue, other anecdotes, etc. But um, using the words of Graham Houston again, um, we were fitting a pint into a quart. <laughs> yeah. but brilliant, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Bob Case, another one I interviewed. Uh, Bruce Trampler. Um, the Edinburgh stuff, Mohammed bit. I didn't finish that. It went, I came off at a tangent, which Zen and I are very good at doing. Um, Eddie Mustafa told me the story and he said I was there he's, I, I told Johnny get out there throw the jab you know keep your eye on this guy you know he's, he's going to try and come for you and don't get caught into the fact that you're in London and you know you're in this small hall everyone's looking at you don't get caught into all that and he was like yeah okay no problem man you know and he said you know, I'm, I'm getting older he says I'm going down the stairs watching my step and he says uh, by the time I got to the bottom he said my ass just about hit the seat I hear, <laughs> I hear ding 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 he said that's it the fight's over it was like, wow. yeah. He said, "Okay, well, you know, he didn't listen to me, you know. So, um, yeah, Johnny had knocked him out in the first round. Wonderful. So, uh, yeah. um, what, what was, what is it for? Perhaps for people, listeners that, that don't know about Johnny Tapia, the fighter, perhaps are new to the sport, or perhaps don't know about those lower weight divisions. What is it that so uh, that, that what was it about him that, that makes people like yourself want to write books about him, want to tell stories about him, want to rewatch his fights? What was it about him as a fighter and as a man that?" that makes people so interested in him. So, Johnny wasn't someone to go copying other people's templates. Um, you know, he could have easily tried to be another Muhammad Ali, another Sugar Ray Robinson, another whatever, to be honest. Um, he did things his way, and uh, he entertained. He loved his Albuquerque, he loved New Mexico. And, um, and what he did and how he did it was the Johnny Tapia way. That's the only way he can describe it. There's some fights where he'd go in there, you know, he was, genuinely angry for whatever reason there was a bit of a head-to-head with the person he was fighting and he did everything from licking his blood off his gloves through to the back flips that you do at the end of fights and whatever it, it really was a unique mold if Johnny Tapia was around these days um, he would have been a promoter's dream it have been getting bigger money than absolutely anybody so do you say that he was just a, a super emotional kind of fighter uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as, as high as the spectrum of emotion can go, mm. it, if that was a graphic equaliser with about 15 digits on mm. it, it, it would be maxed out on every single one. Um, he, 
when he was nice, he was ultra nice. Bob Case, I remember him telling me, he said he went round to the house once, he's chatting with Bob, and he went, have a television. He went, oh, I don't need a television. He said, no, you've got to take something. Give him a television. And then he'd be like, give me a pair of sneakers. He said, well, you know, Bob Case is like, I don't know, about six foot four or something. And, you know, Tappy was five foot six. Have yeah. a pair of sneakers. They don't fit me. So I'm like, take them, I'll sign them for you. Do something with them, you know? So, And he was just ultra, ultra generous. And um, But on the flip side? But on the flip side, uh, if you said the wrong thing to him or, like, there was times where he'd be at the hotel reception and he'd hear somebody giving the lady behind the reception a bit of a uh, bit of shirt and he'd literally be knocking these people out. Mm. Bang, and that's it. The, the mist- he had two, uh, two ladies in his life, was, let's just say one lady and one mistress, and the mistress was, uh, was drugs. Right. And unfortunately, he couldn't get away from that. And he, he knew that. He, he, you know, it, and where it all evolved from, the genesis of the, 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 the drug abuse, to a better extent, was, um, was the roots of how he grew up. His dad was murdered when he was still a kid. His mother was, uh, his, in fact, his dad was murdered before he was born. His mum was brutally murdered when he was only about seven or eight years old. I mean, absolutely in the worst way possible. And all he did growing up, having a very tough upbringing, all he did, all he wanted to do was find... That was horrific, find... wasn't it? That was horrific. Yeah. The, the, those, those kind of early origins of Johnny Tapia are just so unbelievably, painfully, emotionally moving that you just think, how does any human being really come back from that? So it was quite amazing that, that he managed to, well, to he, put a life together mm. of any semblance, do you yeah. know what I mean? You know, he, never, so he never did fully bounce back, and that, mm. that was the, the issue. The, I think the only saving grace that he was hoping in his mind was mm. that he could he could find the people who had murdered his mum. Mm. But, but boxing, to a certain extent, kind of provided a platform or an outlet for him to... There was an element of solace through boxing. Yeah, to, to but kind of occupy, you know, that kind of area where, where when you climb between the ropes, it kind of all made sense a little bit, no? To, to an extent, yeah, to an extent, definitely. And when, when he, he, he retired from professional boxing, and I think in the words of Teresa, it, was a, it wasn't a case of how long did he have, it's a case of when is he going to die. Exactly, yeah. And, um, but when they found out that the people, you know, that one of the guys that they'd been accused of murder had actually been found dead, been run over by a car, I think it was like 10 years prior, that was Johnny's life done. So at that point, it was always about the countdown, you know. So. Why? Because he couldn't serve up his own <coughs> form of retribution. Yeah. He wanted, yeah, yeah. To, he wanted because he wanted yeah. to be the person yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to absolutely, to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. which 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 completely makes sense. Yeah, in yeah. Johnny's happiest. That would have given him, you know, uh, that would have given him the peace of mind. His mother was the person that or he, he loved it incredibly, done. or he thinks it would have done. Yeah, Everyone thinks that, that it would give you the solace. Yeah. You know, it's about his purpose, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. His purpose was exactly. back, and then that's gone. So what's the next? What's yeah. the next yeah. thing? Yeah. You've yeah. done boxing. That was the other thing. Exactly. What's next? Yeah. Yeah. That was his life support machine in a way, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And he and he had life support machines in real as well, though, because he is uh, dead on arrival on five occasions. Wow. And it's a, uh, if you yeah. want to talk about what from, what from drug overdoses. Yeah. yeah. And we're, you know, we're, we're talking. You know, the, the whole sort of. Uh, yeah. What are they called? Fibrillations. Um, yeah. And. But yeah, I mean, you know, I won't give away too much, but it's an absolutely uh, oh, go on. hair-raising, <laughs> hair-raising um, introduction from um, from Teresa, uh, a preface from uh, Teresa Tapia. From Teresa May. From Teresa May. That would have been a rather dull one. That would have been a very dull one. In half one, a paragraph, it? yeah. <laughs> it, 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 let's just say it's... Teresa May's jumped on board. She's, <laughs> she's given her opinion she's on Johnny Tapia. Lord bless her. She couldn't pack a punch the politician. So, um, But yeah, but in, in that preface, you're going to read the first 24 hours of uh, um, Teresa Tapia. And uh, let me just tell you now, you're going to be hard pushed to match 
a more eventful 24 hours from wow. anybody in their life. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Looking forward to it. So when's the book out? It officially comes out on the 14th of November. Uh-huh. Um, I believe in the States, possibly the 12th. Um, yeah, but we're, we're hoping it's going to be sort of taken on board uh, um, by all the boxing fans and also people who want to sort of read about a story of true crime as well. Yeah. And um, and that's it, you know, it's uh, it's a shorter book than normal, but it's also, you know, got a smaller price tag to it as well. Um, it's It's got some new new material in there. Like I said, you know, the, the silly little things like celebrities that used to have in his corner Mickey Rooney Mickey Rourke Mr. T I mean Mr. T's a great one there's a little bit of video uh, on YouTube where there's this guy interviewing Mr. T and there's Johnny Tapia and Teresa stand next so you've got Mr. T who's about you know six foot wide and about the same in height and um, this guy's saying to him oh so Mr. T you know you're, uh, you're here in Albuquerque you're going to be doing the corner for um I've Johnny. seen that clip. I've seen that you, clip you on YouTube. It. it was brilliant. Yeah. It's absolutely. The guy, the guy says to him, "So, um, so what, what do you know about sort of you know being in a corner of boxing?" And he literally turns into Clubber Lang. He's like, "I'm not some Hollywood makeup artist. I know what I'm doing. I've been in band box all my life." You know, and, and you can see the guy like you know when someone swallows it, and this guy you see him proper swallowing it, and he goes, uh, "Yep, yeah, th- th- thanks, Mr. T." And so uh, Teresa and Johnny, he goes right <laughs> over to them like, you know. But it's, a, but it's a brilliant kind of um, masterstroke, isn't it? Really, to have got these kind of these brilliant celebs and so so kind of poignant at that time you know Mr. T Mickey Rourke they were all just they were they were really at the height of their careers weren't they? Johnny really? had over you know. 20 trainers top grade trainers talking everyone from Eddie Futch through to um, Freddie Roach etc etc and Johnny was that talented he could have had Mr. Bean in his corner mm. and he was still had the same output mm. for him sometimes it was just a case of having a person there so I mean I, I did the forward with Sammy Hagar now I'm terrible when it comes to uh, you know knowing about celebrities, and then you, you Google Sammy Hagar and you're like, damn Van Halen and and this now you know he's a, he's a very well known man in the rock industry. So mm. so I picked up the well, he firstly getting in touch with him was incredible. So that was Teresa's facilitation which helped that, and he called. He was on on tour in Asia somewhere and he phoned exactly the moment he said he would. And uh, so next I get the phone call through and uh, he's like, hi this is Sammy Hagar and and I was like. Hi, this is uh, Paul Zanon. He said, where the hell are you calling from? <laughs> so I said, uh, United Kingdom, London. So I'm you know, trying to put on my best British accent. So. <laughs> and um, he goes, London, England? I was like, yeah. He said, I was expecting my, you know, Hispanic accent or somewhere in you know, New Mexico, Albuquerque or somewhere. You know? So I was, I was like, no, London. And he said, how do you end up by writing this book? And so we had a bit of a chit chat about that. And then we go into, you know, boxing in his life, his dad being a professional boxer. I mean, very interesting stuff there. Right the way through to him doing the corner with um, with Johnny for the Marco Antonio Barrera fight, and again some cracking behind the scenes dialogue in there. And you'll also read about how nerve wracking it was for Sammy just to be the guy the in the corner. Barrera won on points. Okay, yeah. yeah. Fantastic fight, Barrera. And uh, I don't know if you ever noticed, but Bar- um, I'll say it with a proper accent, as uh, Gareth A. Davis would say, Marco Antonio Barrera. Barrera. Um, <laughs> he had uh, Tapia on the shorts. Yeah. That's because Marco Antonio Barrera's last name was actually Tapia. Ah, so, uh, yeah, those, those two were very tight, Barrera and, uh, and Johnny. Um, oh, they were good friends outside? They were very good friends, yeah. And uh, John, Johnny made a, a lot of friends outside and a lot of friends within boxing. 
and um, some of the best names ever in boxing. And is Teresa yeah. still very good friends with his circle of friends now? Yeah, or, I mean, and it, she put you in touch with. Yeah, everywhere Mr. she goes, that they know. Yeah. You know, if for example, like you it's know, quite sweet, isn't it? It's really nice. Yeah. Mike Tyson, another one. You know, really, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, those two absolutely love chat. Some great dialogue in there with him and Tyson. You know, so. Uh, but um, yeah, some similarities. God. There's some parallels. Aren't they in temperament, maybe? Yeah, with Mike yes, back in the yes, day, you know yes, that that, that kind of irresistible, absolutely spot on. And again, you, you, you're, those come out in the book as well. You know, two guys at the top of their game who were sort of uh, sidetracked with drugs, but obviously Johnny was uh, in a different way. With both mental health issues, etc., yeah. etc. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm just thinking uh, it's more dialogue in it. I was thinking with chatting with Teresa, but yeah, I mean, here's her thing. You know, in terms of mi vida loca crazy stuff I'm not sure if you guys are aware of it but literally just over a week ago um, Johnny and Teresa's son um, Lorenzo the uh, the oldest son who's about 18 getting ready to go in the army he was shot wow yeah so um, he, he, he's managed to survive thankfully but, um, but he's got a bullet still lodged in his leg I believe wow. which they can't remove it's so close to an archery yeah. so he's going to court very soon um, they found the guy and um, and that's it. And it was all, it was a terrible day because on that very same day someone went and defaced uh, Johnny Tapia's um, burial site, which is in the shape of a boxing ring and, right. and everything else. So, so yeah, that family certainly um, had its fair share of hardship. Gone through the mill. Then. Oh God. Yeah. And they still are. Obviously, yeah. Clearly. Yeah. It's clearly yeah. still yeah. going on yeah. now. Yeah. Oh, amazing life. Amazing yeah. life. You know, what, what, what I find remarkable is actually just, just kind of come to me as we're talking is there are so many boxing stories, yeah. you know, of these incredible men and now women, you know, who have done these amazing things, but they're all condensed down into such a short period of time yeah. and they manage to do so much in so little time yeah. and leave such a legacy behind that it's so inspiring in a way isn't it you know it's if you apply yourself irrespective of all the obstacles that you might have yeah. you know you can apply yourself and achieve so much and even if you die relatively young yeah. you die having achieved a lot and yeah. lived a lot of Absolutely. life and I think that's that's always an incredible thing about a lot of boxers lives and it's, it's, yeah. it's a it's a common thread, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'm going to read you a quote which actually yeah. carries on very well, and it's, it's chapter nine. Um, so it's this is from Bob Case. It says, It was the biggest funeral in the history of New Mexico. About 7,000 people attended, and they turned away a few thousand. Unheard of. He lived 500 years in 45 years. That's exactly it. That's a beautifully put. That's exactly it, isn't it? Yeah. You know, is it's it's not how many years you live; it's how many years you well, live. Well, you can live those years. It's how many years you, you actually live. live. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. so you can live a hundred years of anonymity, or you can live twenty-five years of of absolutely beautiful kind yeah. of um, explosive, colourful life. Yeah. I mean, just uh, which one do you want? I mean, nice to have a hundred years of beautiful, yeah, <laughs> kind yeah, of yeah. colourful, explosive life. But just, just to put on on explosive there. Um, so. I hope you don't mind, I'm going to just jump here to Anui, is that all right? You crack in, yeah. you go on. So, Johnny was a three-weight, five-time world champion, yeah. and um, using the word explosive there, Zen, and Tapia kind of coined explosiveness yeah. um, in a different way that Anui did. He wasn't as, as hard-hitting, but good God, if you caught you with the first punch, he was never going to let you off the hook. There was yeah. no sort of, you know, Great safety first or whatever yeah, yeah. else. You know, he, 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 his hand speed and footwork was phenomenal. Yeah. And it's funny, because... I was watching the, uh, the fight today on the, uh, the train and it was one of those ones where you're literally gulping for air, go, what a fight, what a round and how's Anui doing that and whatever else. You know, I was thinking, wow, you know, Anui's suddenly, uh, I'm sorry, Donaire suddenly become 25 again and, you know, it was incredible. But I suddenly had a thought to myself, which was, 
How would Johnny Tapia have done against Anui? Yeah. And I think if you'd have taken like a peak Tapia against where Anui's currently, yeah, yeah, Anui's going to get better, of course he is. Yeah. But when I looked at it today, and Donair was catching him with the jab, jab, straight right, and you know he landed a few times. Um, someone like Johnny would have got maybe 15 punches in within that time. Mm. I'm not saying that you know Johnny would have obliterated Anui, but I think there'd have been probably more ring smarts in there to have bamboozled Anui. Now, can I ask you a quick question about Johnny? Though? Yeah, go for it. Um, did he approach every fight the same way? No. 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 Okay. And, and, and and the reason for I've that seen is enough that of his fights, you know, because the impression I'm getting is that he's just a free wheeler that just came out yeah. and wanted yeah. to take you out. You yeah. Know? No, absolutely. Um, yeah. But but, but, did he, but did he have a did he have a particular game plan per per fighter? E.g., yeah. you know, if the fighter was more of a defensive fight, would he try and open them up? Or do you understand so. what I'm saying? Or did he just come out and just I've, like Mike? Mike yeah, in his prime yeah. came out to destroy you. I'd right? like I'd like that to say that was the uh, way he fought, right? You know? I'd like to say yes that he did in, in theory. In a, and I remember sort of chatting with Teresa. I remember when I asked her a similar question, and she sort of you know she, she giggled um, and sort of said. He had his training camps, he had a routine to follow, and he'd go out and nine times out of ten he'd often execute his own plan. So exactly. Yeah, I mean, he, and there was other times where he would, he'd often just smash someone in like three rounds where the game plan was to go in there and, and box um, for the full 12. Now, there's a guy off the top of my head, I've had a complete blank here, but there's this, this fighter at uh, an African surname, and um, this guy was banging people out at about 90% knockout ratio. And the intention was to go on the back from wherever else. And Johnny stepped up in weight here, maybe even two divisions. He stopped him in the third round with a body shot. Wow. It was like, you you, you don't go in and do that. And he was like, yeah, yeah, well, you know why? Because I kind of saw the, the, the niche and I dug in and that was it. So, um, like, Danny Romero, great, great fighter. He was IBF world champion. Probably, for me, the most memorable of Johnny Tapia's first fights because... Um, when I was growing up, that's probably how I remember Johnny getting on the map for me, uh, because of the, the beef between the two. I mean, that was Albuquerque beef marinated to the extreme. <laughs> and um, the, at the press conference, you know, they had to get extra security in because Johnny was literally leaping across the table going for this guy. It was phenomenal. And then he, 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 he beat him. Mm. He beat him and, uh, you know, everyone was saying you're too old and whatever else. you got to remember, Johnny turned professional, had about 27 fights. Mm. Um, memory says he was undefeated. And, uh, and then... Ended up by um, going in prison for about three years, and, uh, and and that was it. You know, it was uh, yeah, amazing. Came back and then, within under a year of getting back into training, became world champion against Martinez. Amazing. It's just it's, it's just pure. That's just that's just pure talent, isn't yeah. it? That's pure talent because whilst all that training was going on, he was he was clearly living quite a debauchery, you know, quite a yeah. debauchery's life. Yeah. Um, so to actually perform at a really high level and to be taking drugs the whole time yeah. is, is pretty incredible, isn't it? At, at kind of world-class level, you know, to, to not be found out is, is quite remarkable, really. Okay, just before um, we move on to Inoue, give us, for people that don't know Johnny Tapia, give us three fights that they should watch. Um, I'd say watch the Barrera fight because that was Johnny towards the end of his career um, but in a division where he was he was never a natural sort of featherweight he was probably one of the most explosive flyweights and bantamweights you could, you could ever see so I'd say watch that yep. I'd say watch the, um, the fight at Martinez when he won it because that was a gritty fight where he really had to grind it out there was a split camp through whether he won it or he didn't I think he did I think he won it by a couple of rounds um, and I'd say watch the Danny Romero fight just because of the beef if you've got a chance to type in Romero um, Tapia press conference um, but 
And Martinez, you said. Didn't you? Uh, Martinez, yeah. But if I was also going to say one other to look at, I would say look at the fight of when he came over to uh, to London because uh, you know if, if you listen to this and you're on, on English soil, you, you, you've got to, you've got to love the way that when he won it, he'd done the backflip and he turns around and he goes, I love you, England, London. You know, and oh man, absolutely, absolutely incredible. So uh, lovely, cheers, mate. Um, nice. Did he, f- he fight Paulie Ayala? Yeah. Oh God, Sammy that was Ring Magazine Fighter of the Year. Well, the year. they had d- d- so Boxing News because I've, I've got um, I've got about a thousand magazines at home from the 80s, 90s, 60s and wherever else um, yeah, pre sort of internet yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a terrible vice <laughs> when I, I, I was going to get rid of them and I suddenly realised a lot of stuff's not on the internet so um, certainly dialogue wise so, and uh, you know the, the second fight especially Boxing News was saying that you know Ayala was very lucky to get it and I believe he was but here's the thing everyone thought there was beef between them it really wasn't they were good mates and um Johnny was annoyed after the fight because of the result, uh, especially some of the judges, the way they'd done it. And, but Ayala was one of the first people to appear at Johnny's funeral. You know, he was he was genuinely devastated. Uh, Paul Ayala was a good fighter, but um, there was cases, uh, very strong cases, to be put forward to say that Johnny won both of them. Yeah. The second one, without a doubt. If you look at the second Paul Ayala fight, I would say you can clearly give two two points ahead to uh, to, to Johnny. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair, wonderful. So November fourteenth here. November fourteenth and November twelfth over in the states. I believe so. Wonderful. Can't wait. I can't yeah. wait to read it. Um, I'm reading a book about Biggie and Tupac murders at the minute. So once I finish that, then I will be reading the Ghost of Johnny Tapia. Super. Uh, thank you so much for signing it. Let's. We're we're recording today on the day of the WBSS final. Uh, Noa Nue against Nonito Donaire, the bantamweight final. And it was probably the fight of the year, Paul. Yeah, oh my word. Like I said, I, I was on the train and um, I mean, I must have looked like a man possessed. My eyes were coming out of my sockets, just glued at my little sort of, you know, sort of five inch screen and um, uh, watching an illegal stream on YouTube because I uh, couldn't get Sky on there and, uh, and that was it. So Quick edit. <laughs> and uh, it actually must have been legal because it was it, there was 400,000 other people following it so yeah, uh, just covering my back and uh, all statutory requirements according uh, <laughs> to the act of uh, yeah let me call my lawyer um, so um, but no I I fought the first two three rounds Donair straight away started pumping the jab out was using his range using his height um, ring smarts came out very very quick from Donair and uh, counter check left hooks um, the power from Inui I think a minute and a half of the first round you thought he's going to do what he's done with everyone here. he's going to knock him out you know, punches in bunches and very accurate but then what happened was um, Donair started to have a, sort of a rest round a comeback round etc and when he was having his comeback rounds he was winning them and um, you know sure that everyone when they saw it when when the cut appeared from the you know the, the lovely little duck underneath he threw the uh, the counter left hook and he opened up a gash on um Anui's right eye and what a cut it was and uh, it was almost like um rocky four when uh sylvester stallone opened up uh, even drago and uh, you know and you hear the commentator go it's a cut it's a bad cut and i'm thinking yeah he's, he's done a drago on me you know so and um Donair stayed behind the jab. Uh, Men of our time. Yeah. Men of our time. Yeah. There. We yeah. pull out the rocky. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but it I, gives the game away, doesn't yeah. it? I, I, think, I think Donair, if it had been a younger one, could have caused a lot more problems there. Uh, and I, I think this is a massive learning fight for Nui. I think he'll come back a much better fighter. He needs to work on a strategy, realise he can't go smacking everyone out. Yeah. Uh, if you went in there with someone who was a harder puncher but had the same skill level as Donair had in there, it could have even been a different result. But listen, Props to Anui, he won, incredible. 
he's going to be you know a good chance of a unified flyweight champion um, but Donair did expose how old was Donair? 37 37 yeah 37 yeah, yeah. yeah. at bantamweight yeah. is ancient almost yeah. but yeah. I think there was I saw a point made online and I, I, I can see where this person was coming from Donair a younger Donair doesn't have the knowledge he has now yeah. and I think the knowledge that he has from the fights that he's had against the calibre of people that's a really, that he's really fought, good point that's a really good point probably probably got him right. to make him as competitive as he yeah. wants against Anuay I thought Anuay was brilliant I thought he was hurt he was cut badly but even though like Paul said he was blasting everybody out Today, but that's, a, that's what we've talked about before, though, yeah. haven't we? If, if, if you're a fighter who's, who's accustomed yeah. to just knocking people out, but you're not accustomed to being on in any defensive situation, it's a good learning curve for you to have to go th through this. And did it? Did it? Did it? Because I actually haven't seen the fight. I'll, yeah. I'll be honest. But did yeah, did um, uh, did he look like he didn't know what what to do in way when he was in trouble? Don, or? Don Air? Or no, no. Inoue. Inoue. Um, I, 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 at times, yeah. I mean, so Don Air was essentially bully in the sense that he's always won his fights by banging people out really quickly. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I mean, he, he thought he could walk through the jab, and what happened was when he started to do that thing of walking forward, getting ready to unload the bombs, Don Air would take a half step it was this sneaky little half step back and throw the jab at the same time which would then stop Anu in his tracks and Donair would then throw like a, a right hand wouldn't always work but that was the, you know because both of them were swinging for air quite a lot but here's, here's, the, here's the thing about being an intelligent fighter as well and one hell of a fighter full stop was Donair got knocked down in the 11th round and uh, and I thought that's it it's over you know it was that delayed reaction of getting hit to the, uh, to the guts but he knew how and to he, survive obviously and he came up at the, the count of about about not 17 nine point, no, really, yeah. really, really, well, I was looking it was, it was yeah. about 9.9 so I don't know what the you know because right. in the UK yeah, at 8 right. you're okay. kind of done so yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so what happened was just to paint a picture because you didn't see the fight yeah, yeah. to paint a picture for the people at home yeah. that are listening um, Inoue hit Donaire with a body shot Donaire turned around in pain and when Inoue went in to finish off the referee stopped him but he didn't go down Donaire straight away but the referee still stopped him why? I, don't, I think I don't know I could he turned his back slightly because he turned his back that's, that's a see that's he did turn his that's, back that's a wily old trick isn't it it's a wily so old trick you take the shot and turn your back yeah it's a wily old trick because he's ex the referee's expecting him, him to go him down him to go down on one knee but or he something didn't, but he didn't straight away right so it was that's why when I said to Paul it was a count of 17 because at that From point, that when point he is, that's when the count should have been started. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. But not that we do standing eight counts in professional mm. boxing. But if you're stopping the other guy boxing, then you're either, you've either got to wave it off yeah, yeah, yeah. or start to count. 100%. He goes down yeah. after about three or four seconds. And yeah. I actually thought, I don't know about you, Paul, I thought he reached the count of 10. Yeah, because that's what I, I was watching it and I, I was expecting the uh, referee to wave the hands. And the next thing he, he, he bounced up. But. All, all I can think of is that Donaire is right there by the referees counting one, two, three, four, five, seven. Eight. He must have known that in yeah. Japan you can go up to nine and then bounce up on your feet, right. and it's pretty much oh, what right, he did. Okay. Okay. And he, he must have taken advantage, thinking, okay, um, you know, oh, in, in oh, the you right mean way, stay down until nine and, and rise get, on get nine. as absolutely yeah. as long as rise you can. Nine, yeah. Fair play, yeah. he, got his, he got an advice. Yes. Yes. That's a bit, that's because a bit the, tight, the, isn't it? The rule usually is, I think I think the wording is, you yeah. must be up and ready to box at the count of 10. So that's why over here... Yeah, up and ready to box, that's, that, that's yeah. why... It's about getting up at 8, so it's 8, eight yeah. hands ready. ready. Boom. Yeah, okay, exactly. Where are, yeah. Whereas so in Japan... So it gives you an extra 
few seconds, is it? Yeah. To clear, yeah. clear it's like the it. Bible, isn't it? It's about how you interpret it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like you did a, a, like did a Charles Very Martin true. against um, Joshua, and you know yeah. he didn't want to get up, and you know, a tenner all of a sudden did that look on his face. Oh, what a man! I wanted to find out, wasn't that? He was. He wanted to get as much rest time as he could. And fair play, he got on his bicycle, came back, and he gave a very entertaining 12 which is, rounds. Which so. is why I think it's really interesting what you said there um, uh, about because there's an analogy, there's an analogy that you can draw with say a great footballer who might lose their speed, but they've still got their skill and they and they read the game better yeah. as they get older yeah. and, and and they become a different type of effective player. Mm. So in boxing, when you actually do that kind of analogy of being older, it wasn't the same Donaire as when he was younger. He might have been faster, more explosive, yeah. but he's become more wily and more canny as he's got older. Which one is the better one? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And actually, they both have their virtues, right? Yeah. So when you're saying... I'm looking forward to seeing the fight but when you said that he kind of he got hit and he turned his back he wouldn't have probably done that as a young man he's learnt these tricks these little ways he's got older and that's why you know fighters like the old mongoose say for example the reason why he was so amazing right um, was because he he was he, he had fought I, I don't know how, how, how many fights did he fight? Archie Moore yeah how, how many fights? well over a hundred it was, it, was, yeah. it was a yeah. huge amount of fights wasn't it and he learnt so many tricks of the trades yeah. you know that and subtle little tricks that we wouldn't really see from the outside yeah, yeah, ways yeah. of blocking things ways of turning people around you know ways of controlling a fight so I think actually there's a lot of virtue in being an older fighter yeah. in some ways um, but you can get banged out pretty quickly can't you yeah. as well if, yeah. if, I think if, I, I, young, I, I, I see Anui becoming a, a stronger fighter um but he needs to get he needs to learn some footwork um, his power will take any flyweight out on the planet but if, if he doesn't learn he to slip a punch now, he? there's talk of him fighting there's talk of him going to top rank signing with top rank and fighting Vasily Lomachenko at featherweight so he's at bantam right now which is 118 uh, bad, that's a bad fight for him Lomachenko would run circles around yeah. him yeah, and especially at featherweight, where he's going to be much because it's a bad seen, fight. It's a bad fight. I'll, for I'll, I'll, I'll put, I'll put I'll anyone put who fights the Machenko, It's a bad fight for you. I'll throw yeah. a fight out there for you, just no, to throw uh, some some petrol onto the yeah, flames. Yeah. I want to throw I, one out as well. I, I say 112 pounds Anui. Yeah, we'll knock out either one of that KSI or whatever. <laughs> Any one of those you know YouTubers. What? I will say it now, live on this. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take either one of those guys on personally. Really, I, I put it out there. I believe I, I will train and I will take them on. We're at the peacock yeah, Paul, here. Yeah. We're at the peacock. Put the, whole, it down. the whole of the peacock uh, is, is willing to take them on. Put it down. Yeah. Put it down because I'll fight them the same night. There yeah. you go. Rocky Marciano will be turning <laughs> in his grave if they said so. Uh, so Rocky, you, uh, you, you're going to be uh, you're going to be fighting against uh, Archie Moore, but um, we got a couple of guys who are doing YouTube. You don't mind if you like, you know, be the undercard of them. Yeah, you know? it's like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I spoke to Joe Kazagi about that, and uh, and I said, you know, if you were offered um, the chance to go and fight in Saudi Arabia, as a parallel example here, you know, sort of in terms of wanting to be a genuine boxing fan, kind of like Katie Taylor said the other day as well, would you do it? And he said, no, he's offered a chance to fight in Dubai, and he said, no, it's like Katie Taylor the other day said, it's making a mockery of the sport by having a couple of YouTubers in their first professional fight, and the blonde guy, whatever his name, is saying, you know, he, he could beat Anthony Joshua, mate. He, he, Anthony Joshua's shadow. Yeah. No, but it's it's yeah. you know the unfortunate thing is is that they are promoters dream in the sense of yeah. making money you know and there's two there's two colours that boxers yeah. know and that's red and green that's blood yeah. and money right yeah, cool. so yeah. yeah so 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 yeah. as as vehemently opposed as I am yeah. to it. Um, 
boxing is about making money, and if yeah. they can exploit and leverage a couple of million people on YouTube, well, it's more than a couple of million, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's they get paid eleven millions. million pound. Um, yeah. I didn't really want. I didn't really want to talk about. No, fine, 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 fine. Good, good, good. We'll swiftly move on. Shame on Paul. You have to start signing books now, Paul. So we're going to wrap up, and I think I'm going to do ten minutes with you because I want to talk about your event next week. I'll just say thank you so much. Absolute massive fan of your podcast. Thank you Listen to all of them. It's not the first time I've done it, and hopefully you'll you'll invite me back for another time. Um, just want to also say um, for those who don't know about the British vintage boxing brand, I'm a massive fan of it. Not not because I've I've got the pleasure of uh, of doing some scribing for Zen, but um, if you haven't seen the quality of the clothes that are on there, it's the stuff that you can wear for casuals, smarts, whatever, and you can sweat the crap out of them because I often do, and then <laughs> give it a wash and it's good to go again. So he's a good man. So he's got he's got a pop up shop coming That's on the 14th in uh, Covent Garden. I'm going to be there, and, uh, and and I wish both of these guys sitting in front of me the very best. Thank, Thank you, you so very much, for a gentleman. Brilliant, Paul. Um, and I'll, I'll come and see you in a minute. So we've left Paul now. Yep. We've left him to go sign books. Yeah, exciting. Like the big look at that stack of books over there. Um, yeah, we're still at the Peacock Gym. Uh, I'm here with Zen of British Vintage Boxing. We didn't really get to talk about the brand and what got you into it. What's your background in boxing? What made you want to start the, right. the, the brand? So, so really, um, ever since yeah, it's one of those classic kind of cliches in a way. But ever since I was a kid, I was always massively inspired and intrigued about. The fight game, really, and I think like most young young guys, I kind of I looked at the Hagleys and the Leonards and the Hearns and the, the and the Durands in that period, and that really got me, you know, completely hooked. And then obviously later on, there was there was the Bens, the Watsons, the Eubanks, the Colin, you know, and uh, so I think I, I was just completely caught up with the concept of boxing, which led me on to kind of doing a little bit of boxing. I, I trained at the Cronk. About 20 years ago, actually, and I taught um, I, I, I taught pad work for about 20 years. Um, and although I ever only did a bit of sparring and stuff, I wish I would have come to boxing a little bit earlier. You know, I came to it. I was I was fascinated by it young, but I didn't get into it um, as in doing any of it physically until I was kind of in my 20s. You know, so. But yeah, so so in in terms of my interest in boxing, it was it was a kind of a, a classic young young blokes. Uh, you kind of. Um, just taken with with the whole kind of concept of, of the ultimate challenge, really. I think. Yeah. Boxing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, um, it's it's the original sport, isn't well, it? it? Is, it, it is. It is. It is. Men have been men and women have been doing it it's, for it's, centuries. It's a it's, it's, it's such an kind of honest form of combat that you're kind of um, you're stripped down to your bare essentials, aren't you? And it and it, and it becomes this 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 combination of kind of mind and physical and. Dominion and all that kind of stuff, and and, 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 and it's always just been um, it's always completely spared my imagination. Absolutely. And um, what what started off doing the the clothing yeah, and all so, that? So really, all of it forms part of the same kind of journey, you know. So I've always been into my fitness and stuff as well, yeah. and consequently always into my sportswear. Um, but really, it was, and I, I also write. Um, yes, uh, and, yeah. and some of it is about boxing. Yeah. Um, so, so there's a convergence of a lot of different things coming together at the same time. And then I thought, um, I really felt that boxing deserved to have a premium product, really. Um, and I, I don't know if that sounds right, but 
because I don't want this to turn into something that kind of I did it because I wanted to do it. Yeah. That, 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 it there's, there's a lot more to it, you know, in the sense that I thought that boxing deserved to have a premium quality product which completely reflected all of the virtues of, of boxing. So something which lasted, something that had integrity physically and kind of emotionally. So the proposition all fits in with the proposition yeah. essentially. Um, and yeah, so one thing kind of led, led to another and uh, everything from down to our kind of our, our, our research and development, um, where we get our stuff made, the quality of the stuff that we get made. We, we get it made from a raw yarn, vertically in the same factory, so everything is done uh, basically within the same space. So we're in complete control of how things are made and the people making them, etc. So, but really, I think it was the it was about the old fighters. It's, it's, it's about the history. It's about the heritage. It's about all of the emotions, all of that coming together, you know, and then hopefully expressing it through our brand, which is why we've got Henry Cooper and the estate on board. I want to ask you about yes, that. You've yeah, got Henry yeah. Cooper's estate, they're kind of ambassadors in a way yeah, for the brand. Yes, uh, we, we, because when we look through um, a British box that we wanted to, to tie, with tie ourselves the, yeah. in with and, and to be kind of ambassadorial, yes. um, it, it was a no-brainer to go to Henry because yes. he... he um, he was just a guy who was uh, just he, he, he was just a model of probity out, outside the ring and, and inside the ring he was a great fighter so he, he, he just kind of echoed every sentiment of our brand proposition really plus he couldn't muck anything up because he's not around anymore you know? so that's always the benefit of, 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 yeah. of having a kind of an old fighter but he he's lives long in people's hearts you know and he's very much British French boxing so that's like, it yeah but you know obviously current, current day we have Anthony Joshua and he's, but Henry Cooper even though he never won a world title mm. is held in probably higher esteem than yeah. someone like Anthony because Joshua Frank Bruno those guys I think so because I think what, what, what he kind of established is that you didn't need to be the champion to become a champion yeah. or didn't have to become a champion to be a champion you know yeah. which is kind of our sentiment about about your own personal journey to triumph which yeah. is what we try and uh, you know the fact that every, you know we have something called an everyday champion really at BVB and it means that we are all aspiring in our own way to, to achieve some level of greatness within the, the context of our own lives you know and that's what we're re- really trying to push forward that's a narrative that we want to push forward yeah. really, so. do, you think, do you think Henry Cooper uh, and guys of, of his generation do you think they because I'm just thinking about you said he wasn't a champion but he was a British champion oh, yeah, yeah. He, he won the British title yeah. outright three yeah. times yeah. he won the European yeah. title yeah. do you think the British title was held in in that much higher esteem back then than it is now because really? now it seems to be like a I'll win it okay throw yeah. it away and I'll go and win a, a silly WBA intercontinental I think that's that's a shame isn't it yeah. because I think for any boxer to really earn their stripes and to work their way properly up the ranks they should go through the various levels yeah. you know what I mean I think that's the right arc to you yeah. know and to be a British champion means you're a champion of Britain yeah. I mean it's a great thing yeah. you know and, and it should be respected but um, what you're talking about, the, the, the respect for the, for the title in a way, I think actually post-war Britain, when you think about how fighters were held in such great esteem yeah. um, and how there was so li- little entertainment and people were dying yeah. for, you know, people like the Bruce Wood- Woodcocks who came through yeah. and, you know, all of the, the Freddie Millses and people like that. But, you know, people pinned that whole communities um, would be kind of relying on these guys for their entertainment. Yeah. and. I think they felt that they had a role to play and ergo what happened was they were real gents in a way do you know what I mean you know they, yeah, they yeah, yeah. not that boxers now aren't real gents but of I'm course. saying that there was there was a whole reciprocal kind of thing where they were yeah. the stars of the day there was yeah. very little other entertainment yeah. um, and so hence 
um, titles like the British title perhaps was held in greater esteem because he was a British champion, you know. Now it's... Uh, Plus when you think about, you said about post-war, Second yeah. World War, the national pride yeah. would have been at an all-time high True, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. at that time. And yeah, yeah. We're, still, we're still quite a proud nation now. Mm. Olympics will come around, World Cup will come around, and you see the country yeah. kind of all become... That go, go back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah they become yeah, galvanised. You see, you see St George's flags mm. out on people's cars, mm. and they're not going to an EDL rally. They're yes. just watching the football. They're just normal people. And that is an absolutely important point. Yes, that you have to make there. Yeah. You know, is, is that you know, with us at British Winters Boxing, you know, bo- boxing even. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great if I could say it probably. Um, you know, we're celebrating lots of different things here. You know, but the Britishness is about celebrating what it means to be British now, and that's yeah. that's that's that is the, the the multiracial, multicultural, amazing place that we are. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm my 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 dad is his heritage is Spanish. You know, right. my my mum is Swiss Italian, my grandfather's Italian, wow. but I was born here and I grew up here and I see myself as British. You know, so it's it's um and in the very best possible taste. Yeah. I think that's what's important here is yeah. how you want to kind of. Um, digest that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's really good. So you have a you have a pop up shop next week. Yes, we do. So um, our pop up shop will be uh, on the fourteenth, fifteenth, and sixteenth. That's a Thursday, Friday, and a Saturday in Seven Dials Covent Garden at uh, 14 Earlham Street which is at uh, a shop called uh, The Vintage Showroom they're very good friends of ours we thought it was a really nice place to start um, and you know it'd be great for people to come along and see us um, we're going to be offering a free gift with every purchase we've, we've, we've got these uh, fabulous socks that we've made um, which which pe- people will receive with every purchase and also um, a percentage of all of our sales over the three days will be going to a charity called Ringside Rest and Care yeah. which has been set up to assist veteran boxers who are down on their luck uh, yeah. and it, have have you heard of we I actually, you told me about okay, it right. and I actually so it's the it. house them so basically it's yeah. I think it's to put together um, they put together a charity to establish a certain amount of money I, I think their initial amount is, is 100 grand and they're going to move on from there and it's to effectively house 36 boxers in need and yeah. I think for all they've done for us for all the entertainment that they provided for us the least that we can do is try and help them out at this stage and I think um, it was a brilliant synergy it was a brilliant fit I just thought it was fantastic a great thing for us to get involved in um, and uh, we hope people will come down and support it as well absolutely I'll be there I'll absolutely be there um, yeah. yeah can't wait can't wait to get down looking, there yeah, yeah, yeah. we're looking forward Probably to it coming on the 16th um, okay, but cool. yeah absolutely going to be there we were talking beforehand, yeah. and uh, you were really disappointed <laughs> that we had already done a podcast about Canelo Alvarez. I was, I was, um, only because I'd watched it intently. Yes, um, and it was, uh, and it was an amazing fight. Actually. Yeah. Um, Even though we've covered it, yeah. I want you to just tell me about. Um, well, I, I, I just thought, um, I just thought it was, it was, it was a beautiful fight to watch because. You you had these two conflicting styles. Um, it was it was a, an incredible kind of game of chess, really, with kind of Canelo inching closer and closer and closer, and then Kovalev just kind of trying to work his jab, working from angles, trying to find a way in, probing away, and it was like it was an incredible. It was, it was like a drama, wasn't it? It was like a huge Greek kind of drama, yeah. wasn't it? Where you yeah. felt that any moment Canelo was going to just just explode but then the longer it went on 
you still felt he was going to do it, but there was a tiny little moment where I thought that Kovalev might just eke this out. Perhaps he can't get that extra inch, that little inch, that moment where you take your eye off the ball. And actually, what it what it really was was it was the rehydration clause, I think, right. which which took which 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 is why Kovalev, I think, faded. I think there was more about the fading of of not being able to be completely rehydrated. Right. What do you think on, on that one? Um, it was, that was age and, 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 and the proximity of, of the fight with Yard, maybe? Well, I don't that's, know. That's the thing. Well, we, we've been talking about old, old, you know, old school fighters. Who fought every week, every that's month. That's my point. And that was a point yeah. I made t- to somebody else when I had this yeah. exact conversation. I said, actually, you know, he's had two on the contrary, yeah. on the contrary, he's had two and a half months. Yeah, he might be old. But it, it means he's football recently. It's a good thing. It means he's quite sharp. And other than a round against Yard. Fight. Yeah, all the rest of it was... He completely was bossed People yard. keep saying 100% bossed Yard. Yeah. Of course, you know. Yeah. Um, and and he was in trouble. Yeah. But he wasn't... For a round. Ta- but, yeah. but, but I don't think it was as extreme trouble as people are saying. Yeah, it looked bad. But he's yeah. an old war horse. He knows how to yeah. roll this. But he knows how to survive. Yeah. You know, just, just like we are saying earlier on. Yeah. But with, um, with this particular fight... Canelo got to him um, uh, and just finished it in incredible fashion which is what he does I mean he's he's a he's a little machine who who my my my, my opinion is split on anyway because of the juicing and stuff yeah. like that it's, it's difficult because he's my favourite fighter really when yeah. I watch him fight he's just amazing to watch he's just yeah. great I, I, I think he has everything yeah. but I think he's let himself down now yeah. people might say to me yeah but he's just juicing everyone else is juicing yeah. but that's not the kind of world that I want to live in. Yeah. You know, you know, I want to see people kind of win on their own merits. Yes. You know, and if and if that means that somebody's juicing, well then let everyone juice and let's yeah. all be on the same playing field and let's yeah. see who's actually the best. Yeah. Yeah? So either nobody juice yeah, or your juice. Ju- it's yeah, exactly. a, like you said, a level playing field. Exactly, because it, if it's to give you an edge, it means that you're not the better fighter, yeah. doesn't it? It means that you're trying to find an edge on somebody else, yeah. right? Which means that you're not you're not relying on your own skills, yeah. you know. But the, the big question is where does Canelo go from here? Yeah. Um, where does he go from here? Where does he go from here? Well, I think Baterbiev is it? Baterbiev? Yep. I think he beats him. Um, I think he beats Canelo. Yeah, I, I agree. think he beats Canelo. Um, I also think if I think Callum Smith would be an amazing fight. Yep. Your namesake. I think it would be an amazing fight. Spelt the correct way. As Spelt well. the correct way. Smith wins that. Really? Yeah, because I think he fights inside brilliantly for a big guy. He does. And fight, I think he yeah. showed that against Grove, which was an amazing fight. And and I love George. Yeah. I mean, I think he fought really well inside in that fight. Cam Smith. Yeah. I think you have to think about the condition Groves was in. Mm. I'm not convinced. What, he by was the end of the fight. Before the fight even oh, really? started, okay. you're thinking about the shoulder injury. Mm. He was rushed, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, what true. I would say about the performance, I was really impressed by Cam Smith's performance that yeah, night because he made he made Groves fight at a pace he didn't want to fight at. Yeah. And even though a lot of the rounds... That's a hard thought, thing to do with George, you know. Yeah. Because George is quite a dictatorial. You know, he's a brilliant fighter. Great technical yeah. fighter. Brilliant, brilliant. He's a fantastic fighter. Yeah. Great technician. And it was... Um, it was a fantastic performance by Callum Smith, but there is an asterisk there because mm. of the shoulder injury. Right, okay. And we were just talking then about Kovalev oh. having to rush from fight to fight. There was a hint of that, not so much, because there was quite a long gap, but mm. I imagine he felt rushed to come back from the injury, which, yeah. you know, a dislocation is quite a, quite a severe injury. It's something that takes a lot. It does a lot to tendons around the shoulder. Yeah, it's not just about, oh, pop it back in and away you go. I'm not sure if it's ever quite the same. No, no. Either, I'm because, not. I mean, I've, I've, I've had an operation 
position on my right shoulder right. and you lose about 10% power anyway yeah. um, so he probably lost about 10% power anyway yeah. as David Hay would have done with his shoulder as well because yeah. he's never the same after that he no. has a long life as well but you know shoulder injuries Andre Ward he was out for two years you know he had that, he had the shoulder surgery and he didn't box for two years I think I think he was probably a bit rushed broke on that one um, Still a great performance. I'm not going to take. Oh yeah, no, Canelo's Can- the best super middleweight. In the but world. you think Canelo takes Cameron Smith? Yeah, I think he does. Really? I don't think Can- I don't think Canelo loses a fight until uh, he loses a fight. I don't see him losing the fight until it actually happens. Yeah, but I I think the reason for that is they're they're very savvy. The team is very savvy, right? And they got so say for example, you take Kovalev. They took him at exactly the right time, exactly the right moment, and then made sure that, that it was fought under exactly the right conditions, right? So with the rehydration, all that kind yeah. of stuff, everything fitted into into their narrative, right? And everything that he does from now on will fit into the Canelo narrative. They're not going to take anyone actually that has got a 50-50 chance of beating him because no. I don't think Kovalev fight was a 50-50 really it was an 80-20 wasn't it or 70-30 yeah. really when you're the um, when you're the A-side when you're the draw when exactly. you're the stern which is what Mayweather you know. did to him oh yeah because it's all about timing isn't it it is you and know. when you're the Mayweather the Canelo the yeah, Manny yeah. Pacquiao the Sugar Ray Leonard yeah, yeah. you get you to dictate take terms, terms. Exactly. You know, yeah. exactly jinx <laughs> so, yeah, no 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 it's true though yeah. it's true um, but it'll be you know but strangely though against um GGG, that was that, that that was even terms really, wasn't it? And uh, those two fights were just were just incredible fights. Yeah, they were just yeah, yeah. they were so evenly matched. Yeah. It was unbelievable. But but for me, the reason why I think that Canelo edged them, yeah. I know that we can talk about both fights basically. Yeah. But but for me, was his boxing ability? I think is and his boxing IQ is better than GGG. I agree. Um, yeah. You know, he moves his head more. He, he, he his footwork is better. Yeah. He's just as strong, just as powerful, and just as durable. And that was the difference. I think was the skill set really. Yeah. GGG is great, well, especially Sorry. in the second fight. Like especially in the second fight. Yeah. But see, but I think he won the first fight. Well, most people don't yeah. think he did. I agree. You know, because yeah. I was looking at the eye catching punches. Yeah. You know, um, I wasn't looking at the aggressor, and yeah. I also thought he took a lot on his gloves. Yeah. So it's 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 it becomes. You know, it's an artistic interpretation, isn't it? Really? I agree. I thought we're so close. You know? Yeah, I agree. I thought you won the first fight and he lost the second fight. Yeah, okay. Okay. The other way yeah, round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were both yeah. razor thin, yeah. close yeah. fights. Nobody can argue about any result if it would have gone either way. No. Really. No. I, I think what know. happened in the first fight was that really wide card. Yes, yeah. And it no, ruined the whole that's thing. That's what skewed the whole thing. Yes. Like, yes. it was a stupid card. Yeah, 118. Right. That was a stupid card, right? But had that been close, nobody would have really argued. They, yeah. they might have gone, what are you talking about? But when it's around here and around there, that just goes down in history, doesn't it? It's just yeah. the way it goes, you know, it's just the way it Absolutely. goes. That's not bad boxing judging, no. you know, um, apart from that one judge. That's yeah. just, that's interpretation, that's personal that's taste. It. You know. That's it. Um, before before we, we started recording, I was doing like a test record earlier yeah, right. on, and you was really talking about Anthony Joshua yeah. and, uh, and Andy Ruiz. That's like, yeah. That fight's actually not far away. No. We're a few, we're about three weeks away from that now. Yeah. There's a little bit of a break. There's the Callum Smith John Ryder fight. There's uh, the same night, it's going to be Deontay Wilder and um, Luis Ortiz too yeah, yeah. and then a couple of weeks later it's Anthony Joshua against Andy Ruiz right what's your kind of your view of the heavyweight scene right now I think it's pretty exciting yeah. you know um, because the heavyweight scenes always go through lulls don't they yeah. there's always a little lull before the new kind of person comes 
comes through. I'm not sure who the new person coming through now is actually, but there are lots of them who've come through, yeah. um, and they're all here kind of at the same time. Um, and there's so many various matchups that are so intriguing with with so many similar abilities. You know what I mean? That's why I thought that Dillian White and Rivas were such an interesting. They were, they were so similar, but Chisora is really similar, and Luis really is really similar, and and um, uh, uh, Parker is really similar. You know, similar builds, similar skill sets, and all that. So I think it's interesting. Wilder is just crazy wild with a huge amount of power. Yeah. Fury is the best boxer by a by a by a mile. Yeah. Um, but it's whether he wants wants it enough. Really, I'm I not entirely sure. Point. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I think he does want legacy. I think he does want legacy. I don't think he cares about belts, but I think he does want legacy. I'm not entirely sure. Actually. No, I I, I think you're him. making a valid point. <laughs> I think you're making a valid point, which hasn't been made much. Mm. And I actually agree, I actually agree with you. I'm not. I'm not convinced the Fury Wilder rematch happens in February no, at all. No. He's just done WWE, and I love him. Everybody who listens to the podcast now. I love a bit of wrestling. With that cut, though. With, with the cut, Which he's done that. Dangerous, isn't it's it? almost but like it's, he wanted it to open up, you know. But he got paid of, loads of money. Yeah, he got about seven million dollars, yeah, didn't he, yeah. for not having to fight. That's yeah. basically what it is for a pantomime, right? I heard twelve. Sorry. I heard twelve. Twelve. Okay, so twelve million for a pantomime. It's better than, better than getting hit in the face, isn't it? And he ain't gonna get you paid know, much more to fight. And Deontay actually, Wilder. would you and I have taken that yet? Yeah. Of course, you would have yeah. taken it. I mean, it's it's you know. I mean, I can't stand American wrestling. I think yeah. it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. proper wrestling, yeah. great wrestling, yeah. great. You know, all, all types <laughs> of wrestling. Um, but the WWE, whatever it is, I can't stand it. Love you know, it. Do you? Love See, it. So many people love it. I just don't get it. It's just <laughs> theatre. It's theatre. It's, theater. it's, it's like watching it. a film, isn't and it? That's it. And okay, that's so thing. if you like the theatre, that's good. But yeah. it's not fighting, is it? Yeah. This is it's, a boxing podcast. But what yeah, I will yeah. say about wrestling is. Yeah. Um, Loads of people are disagreeing with me, obviously. Oh, yeah, no, no, <laughs> not at all, not at all. Love I get, I get laughed I mean, at all the time yeah. about that. I like The Rock, I think he's a wicked geezer. Yeah, I mean? and, that's, but, um, and the thing, you know. it's a TV show. Yeah, It's exactly. a TV show. It's people like Game of and Thrones. It kind of, and it kind of reminded yeah. me, actually, of how wrestling used to be when I was growing up. Yeah. You know, in like the 80s, yeah. you had Big Daddy and, yeah. and Giant Haystacks and all that kind of stuff. That, that, that was before your time, wasn't it, obviously? I, I was born in 83, so yeah. Okay, yeah. But there was... That was all pantomime, but as a kid, I loved it. Yeah. You know, as a kid, because I kind of bought. Yeah. I think I thought it was real. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I yeah. thought it was real. So we were but, talking earlier about yeah. Joshua Ruiz yes, too. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. How do you see that going? Well, we talked about two things, didn't we? Because we talked about the the intellectual kind of way, you know, of looking at it, and then we talked about how how it's you know our, the interpretation of, of our heart and emotions and who we want to win and how the bias comes and all that kind of stuff and obviously I want Joshua to win this right um, if, if he could do what he did at the beginning of the first fight you know it, it looks to me like he could just go ahead and just do that yeah. but I think he came up against a guy who had massively quick hands was was very very mobile for a big guy actually and he wasn't afraid he wasn't afraid of reputations who is a nice guy which is the worst thing that you can fight you know I, 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 I think that really threw Joshua as well in fact that he was such a nice geezer and also um, they didn't look closely enough at Ruiz they didn't look closely enough at him they just they just looked at him you know what they did they made that terrible mistake I think of almost just cosmetically looking at a guy and going he's a fat bloke uh, he's got fast hands, he's had a few wins, but he lost against Parker, so he can't be that good, and I beat Parker, and all that kind of stuff, which is, which we all know is bullshit, because styles yeah. make fights, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Sorry, excuse me. No, you're fine, we're allowed to um, uh, So there's a look past him, and it was a silly thing to do, and when we talked about it before, we made the point of the fact that he'd just come off a big win of a guy that was very similar stature to Joshua, who was solid, what was his name? Uh, uh, is it, um, uh, Russian guy, right? Dimitrenko. Yeah, he was, was. half decent. 
Yeah, decent. Dimitrenko, right? Yeah, yeah Dimitrenko, yeah. thank you. So, so, yeah. so a half decent fight, yeah. He's, he's fresh straight out of camp, but straight into new camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we saw all the clips of him in training, fast hands, really sharp, you know, really, really good fighter, actually. And, um, and, he, and he, he let his hands go. He was, he was put down, first time in his career, got up, let his hands go. My, my concern is the, is the, not the mental scarring, but you know when you suffer at the hands of someone in such a, a brutal way, you know, getting knocked down, was it four times in the end? Was it four times it in the end? Right, so it was pretty categoric beating, wasn't it? Um, and I don't know how much that gets hardwired in you when you suffer a beating at the hands from someone in that particular way, how much that plays into the narrative of the second fight and the way in which you approach it. Um, we all know what Joshua needs to do. It's been said over and over again. Use your jab, hit him as he comes in with the uppercut, blah, blah, blah. Keep him at distance, use your feet, etc. Um, that's what we know that Joshua has to do. Um, does Ruiz have the ability to get inside him and open him up? Yes, he does. Does he do it? Yeah. I think he might do. Yeah. yeah. Is, is this a heart versus head thing? I think it is. Um, because I think... Um, One, isn't it? It's a really difficult one because I really want Anthony to win it. Um, you know, I just think it would be obviously for, for British boxing, it's really important that he does win it. I think it's great, but we we've got other great British boxers. But um, I'd like to see him do it. Um, I don't I, I, I don't like seeing fighters that I like lose. It's just not something I like. No. But I think and, um, Andy Ruiz really deserved it as a human being. I think it's great. He's made money for his family. First Mexican heavyweight champion of all time. You've got to say that that's a fantastic achievement. And he's a lovely bloke, but he's almost too lovely for me. It's like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, come on, mate. I want to see you get a little bit nasty. But what I did want to see was Anthony get a little bit more upset when he lost it. And A, you don't hold your belts over to somebody before you fight. You don't do that, mate. That's yeah. one thing, yeah. right? The psych- just the psychology of it. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. thought, you've got to earn these, Come mate. on, man. You've got yeah. to earn this. And then when he lost the fight, he didn't look didn't look too upset about losing the fight you know um, I'm not so sure if he's got that the real desire um, I'm not sure how much he, he enjoys fighting I'm not even sure if he enjoys fighting you know um, I think he enjoys the trappings of success um, I'm not sure if he's a if he's a real fighter at heart he's a very tough man a very strong man he hits very hard but does he really want it enough I'm not sure I'm, I'm not so sure and I, and I think if he loses this I think he retires yeah, I yeah. I think he retires because I don't think he will be. I think he'd have made enough money. Um, he's a he's a really young man. He doesn't need to go because he's not really about proving things. Into Joshua, I don't think he cares about legacy. I don't think he cares about being the greatest heavyweight of all time or one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. I don't think he cares. I, I don't think he cares enough about it. No, really. But and, and I think that Ruiz does. I think he does. I'm slightly concerned about Ruiz because he's been here, there, and everywhere since yeah. he won the title. He's well, since he was six years old. Well, no, well, no, but I'm talking about in yeah. terms of a boxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brand. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. thinking about he's been out there. Right. Like, he's on this show, he's on that yes, show. Yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Doing this, he's doing yeah, yeah. that. And I think. The, the classic faux pas of when you yeah, just won the champion. yeah. championship. And you think that. Joshua was tucked away somewhere, getting dirty, yeah. really, and kind of focusing. He's at Sheffield yeah. and he's grafting, I mean, he's grafting. I mean, look, if he can execute what we know he needs to execute, he will win. Had he not been hit on the back of the head with that looping overhand right, whatever it was, it was overhand right, 
he probably would have won that fight, wouldn't he? Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Possibly, just because we were talking about earlier on, I was saying about how, what, what Ruiz was doing when he, how he was punching with Joshua. That was yeah, clearly yeah. a tactical plan. Yes, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was to let him. He's the taller man. Let him engage yeah. and then shoot when he shoots. Like right. punch when he. Are you punches. think that's what they decided before the fight? Oh yeah. Open, okay, I don't okay. think that was. I don't think he did. But it's a strange one to do, though, isn't it? Um, maybe, no. maybe with the little guy, it's not. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. Actually, close the range. Close the come range. inside the long arms. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, no, through his, yes. Through oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. punched with him. Oh, yes, yeah, 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 no, that made a huge amount of sense. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he's always going to have the leverage on him. Yeah. So he's going to step inside yeah. into the pocket straight away, bent arm punches, because he's a little guy and it's always going to work, isn't it? Um, body head, body head, body head. Yeah, it's, yeah. Mike, it's Mike, isn't it? Mike needs yeah. to get in there, he needs to shift, shift across the axis, come off the line, come off the line, and work him. Which he did, he just yeah. did really well. So Josh, you expect him keep it long, grip him up. Vlad Klitschko. Jab, jab, grab. That's it. And that's what I kind of expect in the second fight. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure he... But he's never really done that. That's the thing. That's the thing. And that's just what we talked about before. When you've never really done it before or, or, or ever had to do it. This is the downside of being such a heavy hitter and a knockout artist. Is that when you've knocked so many people out and you've never had to dig in in a certain way. Yeah. And hold on in a certain way and get through yeah. in a certain way. Yeah. You can do it. You can learn it in sparring. You can do all that kind of stuff. When you've got to do it actually in a fight... When, you, when somebody's coming at you 100 miles an hour, it's not that easy, is it? But I mean, I really hope he's got the right sparring partners in, because apparently he has. Um, and he's drilling this over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, possibly without head guards. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, actually go in there and actually treat it like a real fight. Because I think this is, this is, this is going to be a true war. And it's going to be a sensational night of boxing. Yeah, it's going to be really, really cool. Yeah, I, I am. It's, it's the most most anticipated fight I've thought of for for a long time. It's, it's, it's one that's in the diary. Nothing's going to get in the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. It rarely does that happen. Really, when there's something kind of of this magnitude. So, you know, Klitschko, Joshua was amazing. I loved that fight. That was just a brilliant fight. I, I don't care that Klitschko was, was old. He, yeah. he, he came in in amazing condition. They were two great athletes, two, two great gladiators. who we were very similar in styles, you know. Um, and it was just it was a brilliant, brilliant fight to watch. It was a great night of boxing. Actually. Absolutely. You know, um, I don't want to keep you any yeah, longer. Cool. I'm just going to get a couple of books from Paul. Nice. Um, just Lovely remind us everyone where your pop-up shop is next week. Yeah, so it's at the Vintage Showroom uh, in Covent Garden, Seven Dials. What's nice about it as well is it's a Christmas event down there as well um, on the Thursday night um, and it's going to be really lively over the Friday and over the Saturday as well so come down and see us 11, to the 16th. Yep, 11 in the morning till 7 o'clock at night excellent brilliant looking thank forward so to much. it thank you very much thank you cheers mate thank you very much All right. nice one brilliant Sports Social Podcast Network